Good evening, church. Those are strange words, if you think about it. It's a Wednesday night, and there's snow and ice coming down. And you came here because you are part of the church of Jesus Christ, the one church of Jesus Christ. There are lots of ways to live a life. There are lots of ways to narrate the story of your life. And you came here to be marked as one belonging to the one who died on the cross. I was reading this week in the Pulitzer Prize winning book by Ernest Becker, The Denial of Death. It's a study of cultural anthropology of death and of the stories that we tell ourselves in our lives, the organizations that we attach ourselves to, the vocations that we take up to try to remind ourselves or push away from, to not unremind ourselves, to push away from our thought the fact that we will each die. Kind of a sober reality, isn't it? And you're coming here tonight to receive not only Holy Communion, the body and blood of the, died, the, the Lord who died and rose again, but ashes on your own head, a reminder of death. It's not a Stoic reminder. The Stoic philosophy in the old ancient days uh, did cultivate, tried to, tried to seek to cultivate the recognition of death to frame life in a wise and good way. And there's something biblical about this and something good and true but friends, you and I are here to be marked by the cross of Jesus, an emblem of a life fully given to God and to others, and the instrument of our redemption. Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him, and you know, because of the way you live your life, that you probably are not called to die on a cross for him, though some have. We are called by the gospel to conform our lives to him in his suffering death. And so we enter into the season of Lent, approaching the commemoration of Jesus' passion and death, identifying with him in repentance. And the chief, one of the chief practices of Lent is fasting. So I want to talk to you for a moment about the secret grace of fasting. I have a question and then two observations, and that's all. So here's my question. How does the prospect of the discipline of fasting strike you? How do you feel about it? Does it seem to you maybe as the relic of a time when the church used to beat people up with self-mortification, and the kind of thing that you were eager to get rid of, a kind of false righteousness that you might try to take on for yourself to earn your salvation? Does it seem like a sort of self-denial that maybe you're called to, but you dread in some way? In the Old Testament, fasting is in fact part of Israel's life. There are festivals, Brian can tell you about all of this in detail, right after the service. No, not during the, not during the silent portion of it. Fasting in the Old Testament. And in fact, most religious cultures observe some kind of fasting. If you study this, you find it actually is good for physical health to deprive the body of input for a moment so that it can engage some of the processes that are necessary for healing. 
But in terms of fasting as a spiritual exercise, we see this also in the early church. In the book of Acts, there are moments when major decisions have to happen, and we find that the church comes together and they fast. And they lay their hands, for example, on Paul and Barnabas and send them out to do the work that they're called to do. And in our gospel reading, which Pastor Tim read for us, fasting is there in the teaching of Jesus. And he doesn't say, now, if fasting is a thing that you decide to do for yourself, uh, here are a few advice, bits of advice that I've got. He says, when you fast, not if. So let's look at a few things uh, from Jesus' teaching. Observation number one, and this is... uh, I think, profound. Not because I'm saying it in the sermon, because it's what Jesus teaches. Fasting takes you underground. It takes you into the crypt. That's actually the Greek word that gets used for secret place here. In the secret place. That is where you are to fast, not in the outside observable place. In secret In Matthew 6, Jesus' instructions about fasting come alongside his instructions about giving to the needy and praying, two other practices that are essential for Christian discipleship. And the general rubric that governs everything is in verse 1. Here it is. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. True discipleship, Jesus is telling us, has to resist the distraction and temptation that's part of everything good that we do, which is to be seen and noticed by others in the act of doing it. This is a real temptation, and if you think about it for a moment, you'll see, I hope, that it affects you as well. Think for a moment about the last really good thing that you did. Something noble. Something that you are proud of. Who was watching when you did this? And how did you feel about their observing you? You don't have to be a narcissist to realize that self-consciousness is a kind of ubiquitous feature of our Constitution. We are overly self-aware. It just has to be that way, it seems. It is hard not to be preoccupied with ourselves. And so part of the remedy of fasting that helps us with this is to go underground, to do our work in secret. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Pray behind a closed door. Fast in secret. I almost want to say that in this situation, no one is watching, but that's not what Jesus says. The one whose opinion really matters of us does see Isn't it amazing how important it is for us to be seen? Can you imagine being in a moment of great significance, either of greatness or of depth of despair in your life, and no one sees? Some of you have been there, and you know that that is painful, or that, on the other hand, in a positive moment, it means all the world to be seen. Isn't it remarkable that we have a God who wants to see what no one else sees? who promises to be there in secret. But Jesus' teaching supposes that we have to be willing to enter into the secret place with him. 
And friends, this is where fasting and this whole season of sobriety that we call Lent is the juice of the engine of Christian discipleship. Lent and its discipline of fasting causes us to slow down, to slow way down. And to take those things that we normally take into ourselves, whether for comfort or distraction, out of our lives and make an empty space and to feel the emptiness for a moment and to invite God into that space. Let's just imagine we were to try it, you and me, and that we were to go hungry for a meal or two or were to abstain from alcohol or caffeine, that we were to turn off our social media accounts, shut down our screens and just be still and allow ourselves to be empty and draw near to the God who invites us to him, what would we find? The Psalm 103, a portion of which we read a few moments ago, begins with this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I love that phrase, all that is within me. What is within you? What needs are there? What might you find if you turn off the noise? Doubts? Scars? Guilt? Longings? Grief? Do you have hunches about who you might want to become and fears that you might not be able to make that happen? Brothers and sisters, do we really think that if we do not slow down and attend to all that is going on within us, that we can really be very well? Those of us who are in Christ, do you really think that you can process and make progress in the life of grace without attending to them, to the inner workings of your life the way that he calls us to? He is the one who sees in the secret places. And he's in the business of bringing light into our darkness. So, fasting is your ticket in, into the secret place. Who knows what you will find there? I don't know what you will find there, because I'm not you, and because I'm not the one who sees in secret. I'm hoping to make you curious and urge you to take seriously Jesus' word your Father who sees in secret will recompense you. My second observation is about that word recompense, which I made up uh, to try to retranslate um, something from Jesus' words here. Because in the passage that we read from Matthew 6, there are several words that have to do with payment. It's interesting. What reward do you have? Or you could, you know, another translation might be, what kind of wage or payback do you get if you do your acts of righteousness in front of people to be seen by them? The whole premise is that you, you, you won't get one, or in fact, you'll get the kind of thing that you get when, you just, when people see you. You won't get anything from God in that moment. But if you enter into the crypt, into the secret place, God who sees in secret will reward you, or will pay it back, or will give to you. This is gift and grace, but it is, does follow upon our engagement. We can't demand it from God, and I want to tell you that you can't know ahead of time what it will look be like. 
I'm not urging you to a spiritual practice with a, with a um, spiritual experience on the other side of it that you can be certain about what it will be. But I can tell you that Jesus, several times in this passage, promises your Father who sees in secret will make it worth your while. In Isaiah 58, this Old Testament passage that we read, we hear that the fast that God chooses is part of a life of grace that shares in God's own gracious outpouring to the world. Our God is not interested, and Jesus makes this point as well, in forms of worship that do not join in the witness of God's own life given for the world. This is what it means for us to identify with Jesus in his cross, to be willing to share in his desolation, and to take it as the gospel banner that it is, to pour out our lives for the needy because he has poured out himself for us. One of the other disciplines then of Lent, which is connected to this discipline of fasting, of making space, is making space in your life for those who are in greater need than you are around you. And so we've urged you to be generous to those in need. There are ways to get involved in this community. Tomorrow, uh, Father Ryan and I will meet with some folks at the Tompkins County Jail to uh, consider the prospect of some ministry that we're hoping to do there. I would love for some of you to join us. There are ways that you can serve food to the needy in town. Brothers and sisters, open your eyes to those around you. Open your hearts. This is the fast that the Lord chooses And this is the life that witnesses to the one true life that has gone through death and come out alive again, into which we're grafted by faith, the one who is the essence and center of our lives. Friends, for us, he fasted and was made weak, and he sought the face of God, and he gave himself, and he gives us himself still. Amen.